now from Hollywood, California, the horror capital of the world, the Boulay Brothers, Creatures of the Night. Welcome, my little deadly darlings, to a brand new episode of the Boulay Brothers Creatures of the Night. As promised, the podcast is back in full swing with episodes resuming on schedule. Before we slither any further forward, though, I'd like to welcome my cohort and co-host, Drac Morta, to the podcast. Welcome, Drac. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> I couldn't do it without you. True. And what an exciting episode we have here to celebrate together because season four... Of the Blade Brothers Dragula has officially concluded. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so epic. It's so gargantuan. I mean, to know that the entirety of the season has culminated and now there is a new drag super monster. It's so exciting. Like the energy around the show right now, you can feel it. Oh, yeah. And this goes without saying, but I do want to clarify just for listeners that might think like, oh, well, I haven't been caught up on the season. Should I listen to this episode? You should not. Because it is a very special episode. It's the second half of our Dragula season four recap. And it is going to be filled with spoilers of the worst kind. Absolutely. Be warned, if you have not seen the ending of the Belay Brothers Dragula Season 4, or you do not know who won yet, you may want to hold off on listening to this episode because it is filled with spoilers. Mm. Before we go into it, there's other exciting news on the horizon too because we have our... New Queers Eve event that's coming up very soon. Which, speaking of the Blade Brothers Dragula Season 4, we will be crowning the world's next drag super monster at New Queers Eve, and they will be performing live for the first time. As the reigning drag super monster, which is so exciting. Mm -hmm. Not live for the first time. I mean, that would be pretty bad if we picked a winner that had never performed in their life. It almost happened. For the first time as the reigning drag super monster. It did almost happen. Well, not really. She went well, I mean, ima- <laughs> I mean, if Formelda had won the season, yes, her first performance on stage wow. would have been when she was crowned. So dirty. <laughs> but it is exciting. And there's something like, I don't know, kind of synergistic and sort of magical that that's going to happen where the winner will be performing kind of to kick off and going into like a brand new year. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. And Kendra is going to be there from season two, who we love. Kendra's so much fun. She's going to be a blast to have there as well. Abora is going to be there doing stilts and her monstrous performances. So I'm excited about that. I don't know if Petty or Bitter is going to show up, but Betty will be there too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I kind of hope I get to see both of them that night. I want to say if anyone gets the chance to go see Betty live somewhere, you should go because Betty is a lot of fun. Like yeah. Betty is definitely... Definitely, just to use terminology from the earlier part of the season, a down bitch. She is fun. She will drink with you. She will hang out at the meet and greet. You will have a good time with (laughs) Betty, petty or regular. (laughs) uh, Okay, I'm calling her out only because I love her. And I think I can say this. We were all at precinct after the premiere. We kind of went over there like sort of undercover. And some of the ghouls were like performing that night and we were drinking and we had our little disguises on. So I was geeking with Betty at the bar. And we're deep in conversation, but it's very 1.30. So everyone was like also deep in their cups. And I'm talking and I'm like, is she going to, oh my. And then like the next second I knew Betty was on the ground. Nuh-uh. Oh, I swear right in front of me. And she oh was like, <laughs> and everyone was like, oh my God, are you okay? I did my best to make her feel like no one saw. Don't even worry about it. Let's not skip a beat. Let's get right back to our drinking. But that shit was hilarious. You know, we'll have to have <laughs> Betty on the podcast 
and have drinks one time in the future. Ooh, that could be dangerous. <laughs> if you want to come to New Queer's Eve with us, it will be here in Los Angeles at the historic Globe Theater in downtown LA. And the tickets can be bought at newqueerseve.bpt.me. Yeah, that's brown paper tickets is the site, too. So you'd be looking for Boulay Brothers' new Queers Eve if you were just doing it. Like, and we would love Google to search. see you all there. Absolutely. Where you might hear a song off of our new EP, Time That's to right. Die. Our new EP just released recently. So I hope <laughs> those of you at home have listened to it and like it. So definitely write us at creatures at BoulayBrothersDragula.com and let us know what you think of our new EP. Yeah, there's uh, two songs that were featured on the fourth season of the show and two songs that haven't been heard at all. So... I'm kind of proud and excited of what we did. Yeah, I am too. I'm excited for everybody to hear it. I mean, at this moment, we don't know what they think, but by the time this airs, it will be out. So I'm excited to see what the reception is. Yeah. It seems like we're in a time warp, like doing the time warp again. Like the whole season is wrapped up. 2021 is closing on us and a new chapter and a new year is kind of like quickly approaching. It just seems insane that we've gone through... 11 new drag monsters have entered the family. There's a new crown super monster. I can barely contain myself. There's music. There's tours on the horizon. Bitch, we're busy. It is an exciting time. It really is. Speaking of that, I think there was so much emotional energy around this season from the fans and the competitors and the crew and all of us that it made everything go by a little faster. We were kind of living week to week, you know, it would be like an episode would come out and it'd be this emotional high and then everyone gets excited. Sometimes people freak out and then it gets quiet again and then here it is again next week, you know, and it's, it's been like that up until this moment. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think the fans have been right there with us every step of the way. When we said season four is an absolute ride and it has ups and downs and twists and loops, it did. And the fans' reaction, their energy was right there with us. When it was new and exciting, they were new and exciting. When it got like nasty and shady, the fans were nasty and Ooh, shady. Especially <laughs> this really, year. Oh my God. I think there was a new group of fans that entered the fray this mm-hmm. year that are not mm-hmm. usual Dragula viewers. Mm-hmm. And I noticed their voice. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> and I don't know if I appreciated it, but... The show got much more fun after we came out of the dark time during the middle of the season. And I think the fans also reflected that. It was like, okay, well, we've got through the drama because sometimes families fight Mm -hmm. and you realize that you still love each other afterward. You know, I think one thing that's interesting is some of the newer viewers are very young and I don't think they're familiar with sort of old school reality TV, you know, where people kind of go ape shit on each other all the time. And it's just like easy, fun, trash TV to watch, you know? Yeah. And you see a little bit of that. You see so many different formats in Dragula, but you definitely see a little bit of that old school reality TV vibe. And I don't think they quite know how to take it because, and you knew it because there'd be this whole symphony of people that were like this is amazing this deserves an emmy this drama is incredible and then there's like really young people that were like not knowing how to process it and getting triggered this is terrible let's get away from this like those are the voices and i understand those kind of things but i think we're carrying several torches but we are carrying the torch of that kind of gratuitous down and dirty kind of old school reality and i'm proud of it i like raw emotion like I'm into that when it comes to reality TV you know I like to see the camera people I like it to be shaky angles I want to know that something's happening and it feels kind of dirty and dangerous yeah and that's never going to change about the show shaky angles sounds like a new queen for season five shaky angles for season five (laughs) 
Anyways, I do want to thank all of the fans, whether they love the show or love to hate on the show this year for watching and making it as popular it has been. Because like we've said, you know, I think now the deadline article came out that this was the most watched season of Dragula ever. And it was the most watched program on Shudder. Yeah, which is an amazing achievement. I think huge achievement. I think we had that in our hearts. Like we sort of knew at the beginning, like we know that Dragula has an amazing force about it, but also the fans are so passionate. Like we deliver artistry, a queer perspective. It's really unusual. It's totally creative and it's infectious with drama and excitement and art. So when we went in, I know the three of us were like, bitch, we're going to tear the roof off. And I think we did. I do too. Well, listen, with all that out of the way, I think we need to get to recapping this last half of season four, and I'm really excited to do it. Why don't we bring in Ian and get started? Sure, Ian. Welcome to the show. I feel so naked and exposed now, guys. (laughs) I don't know how to deal with it now that our dirty secret is out for the world to see. What secret? The fact that I'm just sitting here with my teeth fucked out like, okay, guys, listening to you guys banter, waiting anxiously to get into the fray. You used to look busy and you'd be on your computer like getting your notes together and now you're just like... Can I come in yet? <laughs> <laughs> that was when I had to be like, okay, now who this movie again? <laughs> oh my god! But now I she know. liked it. I didn't like it. I don't know. Oh god, I have no idea. <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife? Did I like it? I don't know. Uh, uh. <laughs> so before we get started, I do want to remind everyone because we are going to take a deep dive into episodes seven through to the finale. How much we actually love and appreciate the season forecast. In a world that is totally over-policed with political correctness and people being afraid to go on TV and show their real emotions, conflict, resolutions, all of these kind of things, this cast really brought it. They let it loose. It was super fun, and I think it was a privilege to be able to watch that and experience it. I feel extremely lucky to have this cast. I think you feel the same way. Absolutely. I feel like we knew it from moment one. The second that we got them all around that brand new coffin table, Mm -hmm. I mean, the claws were out. And not in like a shitty or vicious kind of way. Just It was fun. It was like, oh my God, everyone here is just ready to play. And it Mm -hmm. was so refreshing. It was. After how serious that COVID period was, you know, the world was kind of shut down for almost two years. So much seriousness in the news and Trump and just everything. It was just awful and dark. darkness. I think people were like, let's just be queer and have fun and just be ridiculous. <laughs> and I think that that's what they did. And I thank them for it. Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of want to remind listeners where we left off after part one of the season four recap. Uh, Jade has just gotten her throat sliced <gasps> right there in the barber chair. And we are down to, I will confidently say that this is the strongest top five we had ever seen on any season of the show. I agree with that. 100% backing you up on that. And just so diverse, you'd think that we had to design it to be that way because each competitor represents something different from not only the queer community, just the whole spectrum of like race, gender identity, just across the board, really. And also even just different aspects of drag. Just like the Boulay said, if you have a chance to see Betty live, absolutely do it. But if you have a chance to see Zavaleta live, that bitch is going to burn that stage oh, yeah. down. And I think having a performer like that who kind of is a five, six, seven, eight death drop queen, but is also rock and roll punk. Yeah. It's a really cool blend. And it's then our top four. Combo, yeah. Love them all. Yeah. Okay. So right now let's get into episode seven, Exorcisters. This episode really was the first real acting challenge of the season. 
And there was a lot going on on this episode. I think that there's a lot of grounds to cover. This was like super multifaceted in the amount of challenges, the guest coaches, the acting coaches, the director. There was a ton going on. One of the things that I think sets the season apart from other seasons and other reality shows is a lot of times when they get to the middle... Mm-hmm. It almost starts mm-hmm. to get boring from there. It's you like know a what saggy I mean? diaper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's like the people that are left are like, they really believe they have a chance to win. And so they're like, let me play it safe and be good. You know what I yeah, mean? Totally. And, oh, and it absolutely. makes it a little boring. And this year, you all know the three of us especially sat and plotted to be like, we are going to pack Ooh. these last episodes with so much content. <laughs> There's no way it's going to get boring. And I think we did that. And that shows in this episode, they had to produce an acting challenge together. Mm-hmm. We had Peaches Christ and Michael Verratti there. The Peaches Christ eyebrow challenge. The eyebrow challenge. I mean, it just kept Perhaps. going. And they still had to do a floor show, too. And, I mean, what people online were saying, and what I kind of believe, was the most brutal extermination of the season. Right. That latex bed, girl, they gotcha. It's one of the things <laughs> yeah. I, I try to encourage people at the beginning of the season. I'm like, be patient with the show. They were like, these exterminations are too easy. I'm like, just wait. Just you know? let it happen. Yeah. It's a roller coaster ride. It can't just be hardcore level 10 exterminations every episode. That would not work. I will say, when we did our last recap, I was just biting my teeth because I wanted to talk about this extermination because even though I really did love getting shocked in the Dreadnought Electrocutioner, <laughs> this was my favorite one to do because when we first saw it and we were like, oh, this could be something for the season, I was like, Mama, I want to do that. <laughs> and afterwards, I'm like, am I into this? Is that weird? <laughs> A lot of people online were. 75% of people, literally, it was their worst extermination. And then 25% of them were like, can I go next? Like, I'm like please. don't, <laughs> like, don't like, do not. They're, they're like, how did they, they got to do that for free? Oh, yeah. For free? For free? For free? In the words of Dolly, full sale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was wild. I mean, haven't they learned yet? Like, they're getting on our ride. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not making mistakes. Like, sometimes we want the exterminations to be fun and exhilarating. And sometimes right. they get deadly and scary. That right. could be at the beginning. That could be at the end. To trust us. We're, oh, we're yeah. on season four. I mean, let's be. <laughs> you're, you're in deep now. You're on our ride. Well, what they don't honey. understand is that if those first five episodes, think of the energy. If after a day like that, you had to go get suffocated, I really think someone would have quit because it was suffocating just being on set during all that. I don't know. Looking back, I'm like, maybe one of them needed to get suffocated. <laughs> <laughs> So we had Peaches Christ on and Michael Verratti. I thought that was a lot of fun. I thought they were great. Like, I really, really love the energy that they brought. And I feel like they gave some really amazing criticism and critique to the competitors. Like, girl, y'all should have seen the first reading of that. I was like, oh, my God, mama. Peaches, get in here and let them have it. But some of the fans were calling out to say, like, we want the camp version. And honestly... (laughs) I'm kind of with them. Just a little bit. Zava was voguing and we had the smoke as breath. It was like, we kind of went to clown town one episode too early mm-hmm. and I kind of wanted to see it. Now, in my opinion, they didn't come near the seriousness that I intended for that to sure. be. It really still landed very campy. But I think it ended up being better in the end than what it started out as. Yeah, but I even think that with the level of camp they achieved, it allowed those moments to really shine. Just like Peach has said, like, you know, you have to have a level of earnestness when you do camp because... Girl, I busted out laughing when it's like, please, my child, do 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 do, gay, yeah, no, possessed. <laughs> like Zava, I love you for that. Totally. Speaking it, of Zava, she killed. I mean, I think every 
fright feet except for the random one which was the key one she mm-hmm. just really stepped forward and shined in those moments and i thought peaches was great because listeners at home that don't know peaches christ i don't think there's another drag artist working today that has produced as much theater content as Absolutely. peaches has you know like she does drag parody shows and yeah. there's tons of drag artists that do productions themselves but she actually involves other drag queens and makes them you know what i mean it's not just her on stage and they're amazing yeah and so i thought it was great to have her in and i think people probably figured out that this was more of a stage production than a movie the set was a certain way and it was shot a certain way so it wasn't intended to be like a movie per se even though we had that title sequence and i think it was interesting to see how all the competitors came in with their own interpretations of their character and then the challenge was really to adapt to take the notes and mm-hmm. see if you can apply them, which is a big deal because Dragula as a whole is a competition where, you know, you're featuring your own art. But part of it is seeing someone transform and change and take critique and be able to show what they do in new ways and on the fly in real time. And that's very exciting for viewers. One of the things I sort of want to spoil here is <gasps> Dali, right? Okay. Because during the judgment, it drove me crazy that Dali kept the mustache and painted their face white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is immediately, immediately no, immediately no. Like, <laughs> like, you know, it took me out of the fantasy. And then I find out later that a producer had told Dolly not to shave their mustache. <gasps> Behind the scenes tea. Because they had to do an interview and match that from the next day. Right. And I did not know that at the time. I knew it by the time the end of the episode mm-hmm. was. So I was like, okay, you get a couple of points off for me. Because otherwise, that definitely would have counted. But the white, I'm still like, I still don't know why your face is white. But I feel like at this point, Dolly has very much a stamped sort of face, and they were trying to stay true to their branding. But I do think, you know, we have seen Dolly paint, you know, a variety of different ways throughout their career, and we know that Dolly could have given us very like suburban mom. Yeah. So to see suburban clown mom was an interesting choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Hoso kept similar makeup as well. Yeah, but I did see, and Hoso tweeted this, which is a picture of her makeup, and she was like, "I did this makeup in 45." minutes and bitch I look scary and I looked at it and I was like she actually does look fucking horrifying. If I could redo it exactly how I wanted to I would have had them wipe everything off that they normally wear and look very sort of average you know Mm. like regular people next door like it's almost like a version of the basic bitch right we didn't do that this season and I kind of wanted to see them show me really different like look. suburban realness yeah because like average family mm-hmm. right because even zava with like full-blown makeup and everything <laughs> which was such a great character no, that was a brilliant choice it yeah. was but you know yeah. what i'm saying it would have been nice to see what they could do in a serious situation totally yeah. well i did love saint wearing zava's boudoir outfit from episode six like she showed up i was like i have seen this before <laughs> that hell neck <laughs> color combo how could you forget <laughs> i loved it <laughs> You didn't see the director's cut of me running up to Michael Roddy and Peaches and be like, tell him it's supposed to be fucking serious. Oh my God. Well, I mean, I have a spoiler. I don't know if it's going to make it onto the pod, but one of my favorite memories of that day is Swan comes up to me. She's like, okay, listen, Ian, we're going to do the vomit take here. I've made this vomit contraption. That's right. You did that whole effect. <laughs> yes, I did. I'm a self-talk. Like, oh, yeah. There's no area of production that I fear. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> we need some special effect projectile vomiting, and I'm the bitch that's going to figure out how to do it. And Ian helping you. It's yes. like, those are my favorite moments when the little group of us come yep. together and make that magic happen. And there's like... 30 people on set just staring at all of us. (laughs) And I'm like, why are you here? (laughs) The pressure. And in the words of Ray Santiago, who is the guest judge later on, and so perfect from Ash from the Evil Dead, tons of acting experience, tons of experience of being on horror sets specifically. 
that's the kind of effect you only get to do one, one and done. And we knew that too. I mean, girl, I remember we're literally Swan and I crouching behind the bed. She's like, are you ready? I'm like, I hope so. Like three, two, Two. sweating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you all did it. It worked perfectly. And if you hadn't, I mean, that would have been it because Saint could not do that twice. It's too late. We did good gal. We really did did good. good. Congratulate yourself. Congratulations. Oh my God. Congratulations. Swan. (laughs) There was a second part to the challenge too, because we had the exorcism challenge. But then it was like to embody your interpretation of a demon. Yes. Which I was very excited about. Everybody knows like, you know, demonology and that really gets me going. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, that was the one that you said you were disappointed. Yeah. Which I think the competitors actually took to heart. Took really to internalized. Heart. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think I often come with harsh words. I think as judges, we're generally supportive and we give criticism where we feel like people can perform better. But personally, I was very excited about this concept. And I felt like I could see so much and it just wasn't there. Your criticism or critique of the competitors in that moment came from the heart. And I think that you also offer kind of a counterpoint, which I also think is true, which is like, we had been filming for so long and we're kind of at that point, like we talked about the saggy diaper on other shows, they're exhausted. Mm -hmm. They're having to do so much drag in so little time. I think maybe they get one pass, but then I think they were punished in extermination for it. The other thing we could have done was to just make them either do the acting challenge and have that be their look. And the look would have been like a basic bitch, normal kind of look. Because I think if they had done just the demonology, you would have been more excited because that's what you were looking for. If Dragula is going to do demons, I know what you were looking for. You wanted it to be huge and spectacular. And it's just they were splitting their efforts is what I think it is. But you talked to Hoso after that, right? Yeah. We have relationships with the competitors after the show. And I did like kind of a check-in call with the top four because this episode hadn't been out and the winner wasn't declared. I just kind of wanted to check in with everybody mental health reasons really, but Mm -hmm. also to kind of reestablish or I guess to begin a friendship because up until this point, it's all been very professional. We're the guest judges, we're the hosts. We can't really get close to them, but I was checking in with Hoso and during that conversation revealed to me how impacting that comment was and how kind of crushed they were because they won. Was it like less of a win because to diminish their win? Yeah, yeah. Because overall I had said that I was disappointed, but you know, I want to reiterate it again. Same thing that I told Hoso on the phone. No, not at all. And it didn't have to be huge. What I wanted was a huge imagination. And Hoso brought me that Beelzebub Beetlejuice combo. Hoso did it. I Hoso think. Yeah. really yeah, did it. Right. Yeah, she brought me into the world of fucking fantasy in yeah. a demented way, which got mm-hmm. me very excited and it excited Nisha Osherovich, the other judge, and Ray Santiago. Hoso also did very well in the acting challenge. So, you know, Hoso, Hoso slayed was a deserved that win. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I mean, honestly, I think all of them did well. And speaking of that, this is the episode where Zava goes home, which I know was so crushing to all of us. Absolutely. We were, we are serious Zava fans. Absolutely. Yeah. It's getting to that point in the competition where it's like, I wish no one would go home. Well, secretly, I think all of us wanted to just party for three more episodes and everybody gets $20,000. <laughs> yes. Right. We always make everyone look great in the floor show. So all the performers are presented in their best light. In that instance, I think you couldn't see it because of the cut of the floor show, but she really had some issues on stage and it was hard to watch. You kind of saw it, but the way that it was set to music and cut, it almost looked like it happened on purpose. Yeah. But the wings and all that, it wasn't on purpose. And Zava handled it like a true professional. You have to like shuck that and move forward. Otherwise, you just fold like a house of cards. She just didn't let that 
happen. And that's the way any professional would have handled it. Yeah. yeah. When we do the death scenes, I feel like that's a last moment to shine. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like people shouldn't look at the death scenes as like, oh, my favorite person's gone. It's like, this is a starring role in their own horror movie. Yeah. And Zava came ready to fucking act. I was so thrilled with how she did in the death scene. That death scene and how sick it was is what I originally wanted the acting challenge to be like. Mm. So you see the tonal difference. Yeah, yeah totally. Next season... It's going to happen. Our claws are going to be a little <laughs> deeper in those acting challenges because I was very present throughout Zava's death scene and kind of guiding the performance. But I mean, I'm by no means taking credit for what Zava brought because Zava brought it all. Like, she did it. The irony is that the challenge she goes home on is an acting challenge. But when you see the chops that she delivers at the yeah. end of the episode, fucking she is a superstar. Oh, I'm going to say it right now. We have not seen the end of Zava, 100%. I think Zava is a star. I think she has so much more to show, and I can't wait for her to have the opportunity to show it. Oh, my God. Speaking of Zava, I live that on her website for her merch. It's like, stop looking very cheap, baby. Buy some merch. (laughs) God damn it. I love you. (laughs) Love her. Okay. Well, we're going to take a break, and when we return, we all will be painting our smiles on in blood as we recap Episode 8, Killer Clown. UK fans of the Boulay Brothers Dragula, now is your time. The official Boulay Brothers Dragula World Tour kicks off in the UK this March with stops in Edinburgh, Glasgow, Newcastle, Liverpool, Manchester, Birmingham, London, Nottingham, Leeds, Sheffield, Brighton, and Bristol. We'll be bringing our top competitors of the season with us for a show you'll have to see to believe. General admission and meet and greet tickets are on sale now at DragulaLive.com. Join us or die. Welcome back, uglies, to part two of our Boulay Brothers Dragula season four recap. We have just successfully exercised the demons, and now it's time to open up the big top and let in the killer clowns. Love this episode. <laughs> Wait, y'all know a big top? Where? <laughs> Not in LA. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So, okay, the first thing I want to say about this episode is this episode has been kind of a fantasy of ours for a long time. Like, probably literally years. I am a huge fan of Killer Clowns from Outer Space since I was a child, and the opportunity to do this, but also the magical opportunity that we were able to use the song to, which I did not think was going to happen, and everything, the carts, everything just came together. Mm-hmm. So Swan and I put a lot of extra effort into this episode. This episode, we actually wrote and directed the intro, the death scene, and the extermination with the clown carts. Mm-hmm. Not only that, me and Ian personally went all over town trying to find <laughs> the clown carts. carts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in truly in a moment of Dragula magic, it all just came together. I mean, not at the last second, but yeah. pretty fucking close. Yeah. For a moment, it was going to be part of the challenge that they were going to have to decorate the clown mm-hmm. cars. So they were going to be in the boudoir, and then there was this whole thing with that. But anyways, I'm really happy with the way the episode turned out, so let's get into it. Now having seen it, but also having seen all the response to it, I've never seen so many people say... This is one of my favorite episodes, if not my favorite episode of Dragula from all four seasons of the show. 
I mean, I think this one gets across the board, tens, tens, tens in so many people's minds. Well, and let's not forget that <clears throat> trending number five in the United States on Twitter. Oh, Mama. that's right. Yes. It was trending the next day, which I was surprised. So let's start with the puppets. Yes. So we open with what I think is just one of the best intros we've done of the puppets of us, Drak and Swan. And then we have our henchmen in the background uh-huh. stabbing people. <laughs> Mur- it's just... A murderous little clown. So genius. I yeah. loved it. So we always say on the show that the Blade Brothers Dragula is based off of our history and nightlife and all the things that we've done and all. So if you live in L.A. and you've been to our events, you know that we often have a puppet theater at our events. All of the puppets are handcrafted by our friend Matt Scott, who is from Rasputin's Marionettes. And so we pulled him in to make these puppets for us. And... No one could have done a better job. No one I mean, could the- have. I mean, I was personally with Matt like for months, just back and forth with like the look of the hair, the look of the lips, how they move. Let's design the costumes. And then he did all the magic and really poured himself in. And it was so amazing to just be part of that, even just listening to what he was saying. Cause he was like, Swan, I'm like, I'm like submerging <laughs> myself in this world that you guys have created. And I just have Dragula kind of going on constantly. And I want to do this and I want to do this. And then I knew he was bitten. He really came through like a puppet on a string. <laughs> and when I saw those little puppet hands go up and the fingers went down, I was like, Oh my God, puppet dynamics. Exactly. <laughs> With the lightning and the laughing and everything. And it's so campy. Like people forget that. Our house definitely has the horror and the glamour and the film, mm-hmm. but we love a good dose of camp when yeah. it's oh, done yeah. correctly. When it's, it's done amazing. correctly, yeah. yeah. From the beginning to the end of this episode, with Coco voguing at the end <gasps> oh, of the race. What a it's fucking just, moment. I couldn't write a better episode. <laughs> so let's start at the beginning. So we did the intro, which was great. Yes. Then we give them the challenge issuing and... Here's Mary. Mary (laughs) makes her triumphant return. This to me was fun because I think it showed the viewers at home that, yes, you know, Mary went out on such a dramatic moment. But at the end of the day, we're all still family. She's team Dragula. We're team Mary. And she's there to have fun. She's put that behind her and she's moved on at that point. So I thought that was fun to see them all interacting and joking again. No, absolutely. Just like they say to each other, they're like, hey, this is something that only the 11 of us will experience together. We may fight now, but we're going to be friends kind of forever. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes with us too. I'm like, we love Mary. We love all of the competitors that have been on the show and kind of shared that amazing hellish, you know, combo of experience that we call production. Speaking of production, I would say the production of that dunk tank was not something <laughs> I'm proud of, which is a little season one so that's good, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, mean, that, I think that's what I kind of loved about it was it had that sort of season one energy because I feel like that also connected into the extermination, which I feel like was very season one, at least oh, in yeah. the idea of it. Well, season one on absolute steroids because oh, yeah. on season one, those cars would have been like matchbox cars. It, yeah, and it would have been like a shovel as a seat, oh, right, with the dunk tank over a river or something. Mom, I'm thinking like Flintstones level. I'm like, hold this cardboard box and run. No, we'd be like, okay, have the competitor sit on the shovel. Ian, put all your body weight on this end of it and we'll crop him out and then get up real quick and they'll fall. Don't reveal our industry secrets. Well, I have an industry secret. We went back and forth. Was this going to make it into the Last Supper? Was this going to make it into the finale? And it didn't. So I think I'll reveal it now. Sigourney, I'm sorry for pegging you in the tit with a tomato. (laughs) Wow. You tried to blame me. Yeah, why did they think it was you? Someone tried to put it on me. I don't know. Mm. (sighs) Good times. Yeah. So, okay, we did the 
We did the fright feet, which was the dunk tank. And Dolly very diplomatically distributed the keys, of course, mm-hmm. keeping the best for themselves. Right. But just kind of gave everybody else in the order that they performed in the dunk challenge. Yeah. They had fun. They got ready. They did their thing. We had great guest judges, right? Bob and Harvey was so fun to have both of them. Let's talk about it because Bob is a super fan of Dragula. Bob yeah. loves oh, horror yeah. movies. Like Bob had a lot to say. Very fun. And, like, Harvey is so major. Like, I don't think I realized how much I absolutely loved Harvey again until... Harvey was already gone. And then I like watched more seasons of what we do in the shadows, which I love. I mean, Harvey, if you're listening, I absolutely love you. And I wish I could (laughs) squeeze you and hug you and tell you in person. I missed my opportunity. Damn it. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like there'll be opportunities to come. I think so too. I hope so. So then we had the floor show, which of course I was so excited that we were able to license killer clowns from outer space. That was one of those things that production would tell us you're dumb no <laughs> one's gonna care why would you possibly waste money on this and i'm like no it's awesome and we're doing and it was it. a exactly. huge hit i feel yeah. like when we told the competitors for the first time on set hey you're this is going to be the song that you'll be performing to they were all gagged and yeah. I, I can i just say this i was so proud of hoso because hoso's you know a lot younger than mm-hmm. the other competitors yeah. this movie is old yeah. yes and hoso knew it immediately oh, and yeah. loved it and i was like i love yeah, I mean, she is a killer clown. I was like, I love yeah. you. I was like, I got the right cast. Here. I remember <laughs> that. Love it. I remember that moment. Would have sure. been disappointing if they were like, oh, what is this? And you're like, like wait, forget what? it. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <Is this> movie. <laughs> I mean, Dolly wins the challenge, and rightfully so. I mean, yeah. the, the clown look is so deadly. Dolly at their best, so thought out, like so many surprises. That's what I love. I love like what you see is not what you get in a drag show. Oh, like yeah. when you come out and the show just kind of like blossoms and blooms, it looks like one thing at the beginning. And by the end, you're on a completely different ride than you thought you were signing up for. That's what Dolly's clown performance was like. And that's the type of show that I absolutely love. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, Dolly, if you're listening, and I know you do listen to the podcast, I don't know if we can get a license to sell food on tour, but crotch candy should oh definitely be a thing you think about. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I've got a running note in my phone about things that we're going to do on the tour and Crotch, crotch candy, candy is corn it. is going yeah. in. Definitely. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, Dolly wins the episode, but they all participate in the extermination, which we all know as the clown cart death race from hell. Which we got to bring back several competitors from the past. Yeah, I think I had maybe the most fun on set that day that I've had all season. And part of the reason was we got to kind of go and have fun and go crazy with the theme that we love. People at home don't know this about us because they see us very regal and our thrones and everything. We are, as I say, down bitches. (laughs) We are at our core, punk rock and fun. And so for us to run around those grounds with go-karts and food and going crazy, and we were there out of drag directing it and helping make it happen. Mm -hmm. There's some scenes of that maybe one day in the future we'll release (laughs) where you will see me literally chasing behind them, starting their carts after they fail. I mean, I never ran so much in my life that day. (laughs) Yeah, I even think there's a scene or two or three where you're like a tiny little person in the background (gasps) that we blurred out. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. You better believe that all of us were on those carts zipping around that track. We were making cream pies. Oh, yeah. Like, we were definitely <laughs> having the fun. Ian was secretly throwing tomatoes at Sigourney's <laughs> titties. It was amazing. 
Yeah, and yeah. I think getting to spend some time with Betty and Astrid Formelda. and Formelda, like I went over to that grave and I put them in there. I was taking pictures of them. I'm going to share them, I think, tomorrow because they're all on my phone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just hanging out with them and having fun. And they were like, <laughs> oh my God, this is so fun. Like, I'm like, yeah, you know. Well, a moment that I remember them not thinking this is super fun, which I always love doing shit like this where we're like, okay, you're going to wear your killer clowns outfit, but <laughs> dirty yourselves up. And they're like, okay, I'm dirty. And then they get there and I'm like, Okay, I'm gonna make you really dirty. So we like covered them in like chocolate sauce and dirt. And like Betty was like, uh, okay. I didn't realize you meant like that. She was in the pit and I was like, Betty, I'm gonna dump this chocolate syrup all over. And she's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, that's not all. And Ian comes over with all this dirt and just throws it on them. Oh. Astrid's like going blind because she has those fucking Clara, giant Scalera yeah. contacts and Ian's like here's some dirt for your face <laughs> but they were such good sports about <laughs> oh my it God. Like, it was fun to be there I think everyone had a fucking fantastic time my personal moment was with Coco because I really wanted this to happen in a very specific way mm-hmm. the voguing was an extra gift that only she could give and we were so happy to include it in the episode but it was the like rip off the neck scarf and then just throw it down to start the race and throw her shoulders back and those titties up because it was giving me Pinky Tuscadero from Happy Days. I'm like, <laughs> I need you to do Pinky Tuscadero. And she's like, what the hell are you talking about? And I'm like, let me demonstrate. <laughs> and Coco was it. the ultimate totally. flag person oh, yeah. of all time. It was great. And the Vogue at the end, I have a video of Coco like on Hoso's cart mm-hmm. that she absconded away with yes. and is driving. And I'll put that on Instagram too. So fun. I love when we come up with, <laughs> I love when we come up with things, <laughs> but no, I love when we come up with these things and we have to kind of sit on them for a while. Cause you can't just be like, Hey Coco, and not for like five more weeks, but there's going to be a clown challenge, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I remember calling Coco to be like, Hey, we want you to do this thing. And just the way she responded, I'll never forget. She was like, girl, I'll be there right now. I'm like, <laughs> I love you for that. Totally. Then we return to the marionettes. Right. And we see the big top backdrop and we see Sigourney's puppet. Not only do we have our squad of killer clowns and the murder at the beginning, now each of the four finalists have their own puppet too. The fans just ate that up. And what I didn't <laughs> realize was just like every other extermination, the first character you see is usually the one to die. So there were so many comments that were like, oh. when I saw Sigourney's puppet, I thought, no, my God, please don't send Sigourney yeah. home. But oh then, yeah, so then <laughs> everybody appeared and you have the boulets like raising their little marionette daggers and we have a quivering saint and we have a quivering hoso saint. <laughs> they were hoso, so cute. Saint, hoso. I love it. And then the blood flies across the circus stripes. To be continued. Oh, don't forget the... <laughs> yeah. Oh, so the cute. response from that. They were like, oh, how do you dare do that to us? People were mad in a good way, oh, I yeah. think. They're like, how do you sleep at night? I'm like, mama... <laughs> Just and, like that. And I will let everyone know that those puppets live here at the Blade Brothers Dragula office. We have <laughs> yes. them all. We have the two marionettes of us, but we also have the final four. Yeah. And I'm going to use them to magically control them for the rest of their lives. <laughs> Whenever I'm feeling sad, Drac puts a little highlighter on me. I get to go play with the puppets for a couple minutes. <laughs> go play with the Hoso puppet. You'll Speaking of things that I want to do on the tour, I think you might see those puppets again. Oh, Ooh. for sure. Yeah. All right, should we move on to the next episode? Of course. It's so delicious. Let's eat it up. It's The Last Supper. Oh, it was so spicy. (laughs) So yeah, this is a huge moment for a lot of people on the cast. As the season progressed, and especially in the beginning, there was a lot of conflict between certain cast members, and people at home were sort of jumping all over it, drawing their own conclusions and all that, and it led to a lot of 
hate that was directed at the cast from fans at home. And I think this Last Supper, more than any in the past, cleared up some of that, right? Mm -hmm. It sort of made a lot of it make more sense than it did when you saw it the first time. I really hope so. I felt like this Last Supper, more than any one before it, was kind of like educational. Oh, yeah. You learned a lot about not only things that you didn't see, it connected some storylines other people's like state of mind when they were going into the competition, like relationships that you didn't necessarily see that were close, other relationships that you didn't necessarily see that were like completely toxic. Like oh, it was yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. I loved it. I agree. I think this was the best Last Supper we've ever had. And one of the things that I really appreciate about this cast again is they came ready to air off the dirty laundry. They were like, okay, if I had an issue with you back in episode two or three, we have not resolved this and I'm ready. Claws are coming out, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so exciting to watch. And they really did kind of right from the start. Yeah, it did. And we got to see a little bit about what was happening with Sigourney and Mary, not in terms of their drama, because we'll get to that, but in terms of the loss that they both suffered. Mm -hmm. You know, I talked to Mary about this before uh, while we were all on set she never really talked about the loss of her grandmother in a way that was like cohesive for the show. You know, Mm -hmm. she would allude to it, but she never went into it. And a lot of it never made it on the show because it didn't make sense. So I was glad that she got the opportunity to talk about what she was going through the whole time that she was filming the show. I'm sure it affected her. And I think it puts perspective on Sigourney's state of mind. Yeah. Mary's state of mind and the state of mind of someone who's in mourning, but also going through something extremely stressful and taxing. Mm -hmm. And in some ways you could say, oh my God, how could you rise to the occasion and do that? And in other ways you heard them say like, well, it provided... The drama helped. Yeah, it provided Mm -hmm. like a needed distraction. It took me out of that loss, you know, and something to strive for. Well, you know, while we were in the casting process, because at that point we had gotten gotten it narrowed down to like 20 people or something. I know you even had spoken Mm -hmm. with Sigourney at that point. Sigourney's mother passed away during the casting process just to show you how fresh that was. It's insane. And she really didn't skip a beat about not coming on the show, but mm-hmm. obviously she was devastated, but she didn't She didn't really let that stop her, which I respected. Yeah, I mean, the same goes with Mary. I applaud both of them for just pushing forward because I feel like it would be very easy to do this and no one would look down on you to say, my grief is too strong, I have to back out. But yeah. they both were like, no, 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 I'm going to do this full force, let's go. It's also something I want to remind people at home. You just don't know what people are going through. You yeah. know, you can't judge a book by its cover. And these are real people with real feelings and real things that are happening to them. And I hope people think about that in the future. Honestly, they won't. Even if they don't, <laughs> I hope the fans that hear this and do will call them out or help stop them because it's making a really toxic environment for these people to exist in. We have to endure it too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Creating a queer show like this with like as much strangeness that we really try to imbue it with like we have to shield ourselves from tons of people that say you can't do that you won't do that you shouldn't do that nothing's ever enough but it is what it is and for them i feel like it's even worse because they're like excited to be like oh i'm gonna go on the show and i'm gonna get these fans and i'm gonna be able to go perform and then when you get hate out of that it just doesn't feel good but back to the last supper i think a lot of light was shed on that situation between mary and sigourney yeah And while we're on the subject of Mary and on the lighter side of Mary, because Mary is like just amazing and fun and like outrageous, the montage of Mary's personality (laughs) and the kickoff scene where she gets kicked right off of that interview chair. (laughs) 
I remember. You know, she's like, oh, no, no, uh-uh. Like, like totally. she's thinking there's no way we would put that in. Girl, I remember being there when she fell out of the chair. I was like, is this really happening right now? It's so hilarious. So um, we learn a little bit about Astrid, where mm-hmm. Astrid's head was, because obviously we all know Astrid had a big meltdown at her extermination, which we talked about was even more intense than what showed on the show. And she talked a little bit about that. And I think it's understandable, you know, the mental space that she was in and all the pressure and all, it makes a lot of sense, you yeah. know? But going back to what we were saying just a few minutes ago, like as artists, it's their first time around. This is their experience. For us, I mean, it kind of sucks when people come for us and like make criticisms and stuff, but... We've learned from previous seasons, so sure. we know to expect that. Yeah. And we try to really tell they never listen to groom us. them and just prepare. But I don't think you can really prepare for it. You just have to brace for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you're an artist. You're in front of the world. You're competing. There's so much tension. There's guest judges and cameras and all this expectation. And a meltdown that happens, and then you hear from that artist, I wish I could have prepared myself mentally a little better. you know. And that should be something that echoes in to the future for anyone else thinking that they want to perform on the show. I mean, to me, that moment made Astrid stand out. Astrid's an exciting character to me. Mm -hmm. And part of it is because she did do that. I don't hate it. Yeah. Well, I feel Mm. like that's something that we try to tell them all the time. We're like, we do not want you to come onto the show and be a perfect person. You're not a precious moments angel. We want the booze hound. We want the once and all. Like, (laughs) Sorry, that was my little bitter baby. We want to hide. Let it out, girl. Let it out, girl. (laughs) No, it's like we, there's such a perceived need to be perfect all the time. And that is fucking boring. It's so boring. Obviously, people get cast for a multitude of reasons, but we want you exactly the way that you are. Do not come on the show and be guarded or protect yourself. Like, just let Hyde out because I feel like that's the way that you connect with people. You know what was surprising to me to see the Coco and Mary dynamic? Oh, I was completely scalped bald, Mama. Shocked. (laughs) Definitely. I was left on the ground. ground. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was wild to see how triggered Coco was to have someone, another artist, anyone, try to tell them how they need to be or what they need to do with their drag or even coming close to that and tongue like a dagger. I've oh, yeah. never heard someone speak so sharply, maybe with the exception or like in the same ballpark, Melissa be fierce, but Oof. Coco was there to fucking read. Mm. Yeah. I think she was harboring a lot, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, you could tell that it didn't come from a place of like, Oh, I'm just here to make good TV. It came from a really personal place of like, this is something that you did that hurt my feelings, like on a deep personal level. Yeah. Another conflict got illuminated a little bit too with the, I was going to call it a triangle, but Sigourney's in there too. It might be kind of a square. Jade, Betty, Mary, oh, the Jade, Betty, Mary triangle. The and glam I, rot triangle. Yeah. Square. With, with exactly. <laughs> they tried to jam a glam rot triangle into a square peg with Sigourney <laughs> being the pivotal point there. No, but I think that there was something that happened between Sigourney and Jade that and Jade came forward and kind of confessed that I've had problems like this with people that are close to me. I tend to kind of mangle those sort of relationships. And to me, I felt like this is a strong person to be able to come out and just lay their heart out for everyone to see. There were no errors about it. And there was apologies and taking responsibility. And it's nothing but respectable. And I think, I hope that that voice could help tons of other people that might struggle with the same type of situations. And you see like you've mangled something. The truth is it is fixable. Mm -hmm. You can go back and make friends of people that you maybe mangled their friendships and you can take responsibility for what you've done and put those friendships back together. I feel like all of that really speaks to, we say this all the time, but it's the pressure cooker. You know, this situation is unlike anything else you could ever experience. It's fucking crazy. And I think it's really not surprising that people sometimes 
blow up. Coco gets it because Coco kind of stepped forward in the closing moments of the episode. Yeah. And we were basically like, uh, you're hired. You're the new <laughs> spokesperson for like, you the are the Blay Brothers Dragula spokesperson. <laughs> yeah, truly. That's something that I always tell people, even when we go to like executive meetings, I always tell people, I'm like, I am not trying to get you on board for a queer show that is whitewashed. I'm trying mm-hmm. to get you on board for a queer show with how queer people really live. And you know what? Just like the rest of the world, queer people have problems. There's like homelessness, addiction, abuse. There's a lot of things that happen that I think people nowadays are like, hey, it's acceptance. We want to be accepting of queer people. So let's put perfect mm-hmm. queer people in here that have no problems. That's not real. Totally. That's not, that is not the drag nightlife reality. At least absolutely. We come from nightlife. We come from drag and nightlife and it is not always cute to think that it's always cute is what delusional and Mary can spell it. <laughs> well, uh, oh, sorry. Mary can spell delusion, but never actually spelled delusion. She was like, <laughs> Delusional. She's like, maybe if I just slide in delusional, forget it. <laughs> oh, I, I, I want to touch on this before we move to the finale. The gold nugget moments were found when we said, like, we're going to take a few moments. And when we come back, and they're oh like, my are, God. are the cameras down? And we were like, of course they are. And, if, and we keep rolling. <laughs> and you see Betty and Mary like, girl, did you see that shit? Girl, she had no <laughs> they're, they're teaming up. That's some fun. Bullshit. I got your back. Right is right. Hose was like, why aren't they filming this? We're like, well, <laughs> we are. In my cabana. <laughs> and there's so many random little things. I'm like, oh, look at this vampire little nutcracker. That's cute. That's really cute. Oh my God. My favorite is also a swan thula No, It's just, it's cut. Oh God, these shoes suck my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You're just sitting off with your legs crooked to the side like someone who fell off a building <laughs> and landed on their knees. Yes. That is a long day. It and really something is. about yeah. those thrones that I'm going to reveal. Somebody, I shared oh, someone a they they saw it. Some, yeah. I shared a behind the scenes photo where you could see behind the judge's booth and you could see how fucking uncomfortable those thrones are and how we have to sit in them. It's because they're so low. Right. And Yet, that's, like the seating is literally like less than a foot off the ground. So you can imagine like I'm not very tall, but even I have to like really twist my knees and my ankles to get my feet under. So with the mm-hmm. heels, even though you're yeah. sitting there at the reunion is the worst because you're not hiding your legs. So yep. it's all out. And, hours, yeah. And you just have to kind of crick them to the side. It's this unusual thing I'm kind of doing it right now oh. where you have to sit on the end, twist your legs, <laughs> and basically your heel is in the in your ass. But don't forget oh. you're corseted <laughs> and completely uncomfortable. And then you have to sit there sort of presentational. Yeah, anyways. Speaking of always out, I don't know if there's like a Creatures of the Night award for like secret star of the season, but I feel like Zavaleta's balls. <laughs> wow. Wow. Always out. There was... Uh, I, I didn't see it, but there was uh, a shot. I'm not going to say who, <laughs> but there was someone at the Last Supper who was basically naked on camera, and I don't think they realized it. Untucked, flashing the camera during some pivotal moments we had to cut oh, yeah. away from. To wrap up the Last Supper, we get to the moment where we reveal who is going on to the finale. And of course, we go through and we applaud Dali, and everyone is there to give Dali a group love moment. Mm-hmm. We applaud and say Sigourney, and everyone does the same. Well, one third oh. of everyone <laughs> oh. applauds. And then we move to Saint, who is moved to emotion when they're revealed that they're also going to be in the finale. And Drac delivers that moment and really just hangs it in the air for just the right <laughs> amount of time because Hoso is trembling. And it's Hoso, I'm sorry to tell you, but you are 
also what? going. I mean, and then it's like the unprecedented top four. And honestly, I was driven to him. I mean, I was like emotional, like crying Me the first too. time I saw it. And then she explodes. Fuck you. <laughs> and then I start laughing immediately. It was such a great moment. Totally. I mean, there have been very few moments that have made me cry from the show. Well, I mean, cry in the cry closet for different reasons, but right. that definitely is a moment where I'm like, oh my God, is no, this it, really heartfelt? It moved me too. It you know, really did. What was odd about it is when it was happening, I didn't understand it, right? So I didn't understand that the whole cast knew that she was really expecting to be there and how in her mind it had come down to her and saint i feel like so when we said saint she was like that's it for me and you could yeah. see her face it no, was and mary touches her hand yeah like yeah. everybody thought there it. was definitely some <laughs> weird energy but i did not know that that was happening then I, I of course i knew it was a big deal to her but i yeah. just didn't know all the energy that was built up around it so i'm glad that it happened the way it did it's what was deserved it's an amazing oh, moment because i feel like everyone on the cast also agreed with our decision. It was just too poignant to have all four of them go forward because all four of them deserved it. All four of them have what it takes to potentially win. And we wanted to see that. Every single one of the top four have their own Achilles heels. They do. That just happens to be her. You can't be perfect. You have to accept that there are things about all of us that we can improve on or they may hinder our ability to compete. And And, grow. Exactly. And each of them had that. So I don't think she should feel too bad about it because they all have their own. That's right. And on that note, it's time for another break. And when we return, we will be vivisecting all of the floor show performances from the top four finalists of the Blay Brothers Dragula season four grand finale. Don't move. Hello, uglies. You didn't think we would forget about the U.S., did you? The Boulay Brothers Dragula Season 4 U.S. Tour will be haunting you soon in the spring of 2022, featuring the top monsters from Season 4. Tickets and VIP upgrades go on sale in January, so sign up to be the first to find out all of the gory details at DragulaLive.com. Do it now or die. Welcome back, Uglies, to the Belay Brothers Dracula Season 4 Recap Part 2. We have successfully gone through Episodes 1 through 9, so there is only one place left to go, and that is the grand finale. Ooh. So this is the moment of truth, right? No more drama, no more boudoir arguing, nothing. We get kind of right to it. And I think we set the tone for the episode right off the bat with kind of a moment where you see beyond the fourth wall right you see them in the set you see the cameras you see the equipment it's a little weird right it's uncomfortable yeah in the city too i think it puts it into perspective i hope that what viewers get is that a reminder that these are people behind Mm -hmm. the characters behind who's your queen or whatever you know all of that like these are four individuals really striving for their dream well, they also all have their own individual backstories, their own individual cultures, things they're representing, things that they want to put forward. I feel like it's a very interesting and kind of reflective look back on the season. Like, I remember when I saw it for the first time, I was like, oh my God, bitch, we're here. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. I think it shows them singly by themselves. And like you said, what their influences are, where they came from, it shows you their hopes and dreams. Like, at that moment, 
they don't know. They could win $100,000. Their life could change so drastically, you know? And of course, that is the prize. That would be the proverbial pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But I hope they're listening to this now and they feel it even without me saying it. All four of them have gotten to the win moment. This oh my is God. your opportunity to feature everything you want in a platform that's going to show you in the best light possible on the world stage. Right. Like everyone gets the prize. Totally. And I mean, you can kind of tell because all four of them are booked up and down. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations. Blessed and booked. I can't believe it. And Hoso's <laughs> actually on a flight now coming over to perform again, like again. all over the place. She's going yeah. to Canada too. And let's not forget just making it to the top four automatically sets you up to go on this world tour with us. So tickets at DragulaLive.com. That's right. <laughs> That's DragulaLive.com. DragulaLive.com. There's no <laughs> losing position in this top four. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like for the top four, I hope that they are all extremely proud of themselves, of what they did on the show and everything that's happened after. I mean, I feel that way for everyone on the season, but really we say it on the show and I mean it. This is the strongest top four we've ever had. The most diverse top four. They're all fucking awesome. Yeah. Any one of them could have won the crown. Like Jack and I talked about this to where it literally blew in the face. It mm-hmm. really came down to very nitpicky things. We had to consider so much more than I think we had to consider in the past where it might have been a little clearer. This one was very difficult. They're multifaceted. They have different voices from the drag space, different voices from the queer space. I mean, like I said, I do think just making it to the finale is a win. But of course, you want the crown. You want the title. You want the money. And I understand that. But I think any one of them could win and represent the brand fine. I wouldn't be disappointed with any of them. And I know that. And I hope that they know that. But, you know, like I say... No one's losing this season. You get to go on tour. You yep. know, they're all traveling individually already. Yep. You get to showcase your art, like you said, on the world stage. I mean, it's a win-win, and they deserve it. They really do. One of the things that I thought might be a curveball to help us make our decision a little easier was this idea of taking the podcast, taking Creatures of the Night, and putting them as guests in the hot seat in an interview format to see how they would be as speakers or as someone who could take the curveballs we might throw at them and either catch them or kind of fumble. And I got to say, I think all of them did a very stellar job. They all represented themselves extremely well. And it was really cool to be able to talk to them about their influences and about what they're planning on bringing to these final floor shows. Because I don't know if people realize this, but we have very high expectations for the finale floor shows. And to talk to all of them and see, this is exactly what I'm going in. I have a clear vision. It was pretty epic, honestly. It was. They had very strong ideas about what they wanted to do, and I think they all executed them very well. There was a moment, I don't know if you all felt this, but this is something I felt, where we were in the boudoir getting ready to film the podcast, and it was like this weird full circle moment, you know, because just filming the podcast on the set of the Blade Brothers Dragula 4 with all these new production people around and seeing the competitors and how well they did and just sort of like looking around you know our life moves so fast you know Mm -hmm. how it is the past 10 years really has been just full steam ahead and we don't take many moments to stop and look around it like Mm. what's changed what's different and it was kind of weird and emotional in that moment to look around and be like this stemmed from all of us coming together and making this happen yeah even the podcast or doing the podcast there and then here we are full circle now recording the podcast talking about that moment girl you're talking full circle i'm over here in the fucking metaverse i'm like well it was the podcast on the show on the The podcast talking about the podcast very meta meta. but you're right there was a moment where i was just kind of like 
this is the fruits of our labor. Like right, we, yeah, the three totally. of us, and then, you know, there are concentric circles that span around us. Of course, we don't do it on our own. We have a lot of help and a lot of people behind us to give their art and their energy into what we create. But this is built on the backs of our hard work. And, Absolutely. And I love you guys for that. Oh, yeah. I love you guys. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel like one day I really want to release a book. I, I know details. that no one knows. I mean, even on a personal level, I feel like I have shaved years off of my life to make this happen. Oh, I think you are preaching to the choir. You are speaking for all three of us. We have given our blood, sweat, and tears, all three of those, literally, for this program. To see that top four in that moment when we were interviewing them and realize that they are getting booked all over the world and that they are successful and that just, like, meant something, you know? We want those things for them, and it's not lip service. We do not cast people on the show to have them fail or right. to have them come out looking worse than they did. Like the goal is to further this message and to further the world and just, I don't know, put a blight on things a little bit. Yeah, totally. It's a light and it might be a dark light. I often reference Dragula's dark blessing, but it is a light. And I think I'm grateful because we have 40 plus drag children. Oh my God, or, you that's know, crazy. Isn't it? That's is fucking wild. I do feel grateful because the huge majority, I can say that with a lot of confidence, the huge majority of them understand that. They right. understand that we yeah. work really hard to create something and we do it kind of with each other. And it's a platform that we all get to kind of step on. And in this world, from the queer perspective, you don't get that many chances to do that. You that's just what I, always, I know. That's what mm-hmm. I always say. I'm like, think back. Who has ever even if it's a dollar or anything helped you or given you anything in this scene for free, it's nobody. For it's free? not going to happen. <laughs> no, you know? It is so nobody. it's just like whether you got five followers or $200 from doing an experience like this, it's still something that helped you. You've been with us. Mm-hmm. You see how we exist in nightlife and TV and all those worlds and how brutal it is and how much we actually protect them from those experiences. But like I said, that's going to be a best-selling <laughs> book one day. I hope <laughs> one day we should do a movie about it because it would be a good fucking movie. I'll yeah. tell you that. Mama, I want to star in it. I want to be first in line for tickets. Sign me up. I think a lot of people live very openly now and they kind of talk about all those things as they happen. I feel like we're more old school. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, you don't do that. You kind of stay stoic. You put your game face on and you just, You have to be the mermaid on the front of the ship. You have to smile and walk forward and look powerful at all times. But there is a lot of stories behind that facade. Yeah. Definitely. Even if it's a vampire mermaid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, girl, you went home episode four. So what would you have even said? (laughs) So let's get back to the finale, right? So we're there. We've interviewed them. They all did great. What did you think of their interviews? I thought they were fantastic. I was actually very... I'm not going to say nervous, but I was interested to see how they would perform. And I feel like there is definitely a level of you could get really nervous before going into an interview like that. And they all handled it like pros, you know, and I don't think that they really knew that they were going to be interviewed until what was it? I mean, literally day off. Yeah. And I remember seeing the footage because it's there in the episode. Mm -hmm. When we say it on the big screen, you see the face cracks. It's like, oh, because that's a nervous thing. Like you could be a great stage performer. You could paint your face to the gods. You could dance. You could move. You could slay. You could be, you know, an amazing person on stage. But when it comes time to speak, that's a whole nother set of skills. Oh, totally. And to not only speak, but to have to speak eloquently about your own work and to really have it mean something. I feel like they all were cognizant of the fact that I'm not just chatting with the boules and chatting with Ian. Like, this is part of the interview process to determine a winner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of pressure. 
We go from that moment right into the floor shows, essentially. We've done a lot of deliberating on the show, so we don't need to go through that again. But maybe we should go through just a little bit if there's anything interesting that wasn't shown on the show from any of those floor shows. Yeah, or just our thoughts that maybe we didn't get to share on that episode. So let's start with Glamour. Okay. One of my favorite tenants of drag. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, I love them all, but it was kind of amazing to see them all being glamorous because it's not necessarily something I'd probably say it's one of the least represented. I think people love to lean into horror and that's kind of a go to every now and then you get a spicy filth look. Mm -hmm. But to just to have to be glamorous was the great way to see these top four. Well, I think that, you know, maybe they have really, really big shoes to fill because I would say that you guys often are extremely glamorous on the show. Yes, and that's not just about having diamonds for jewelry, right? Glamour is about poise and presentation Mm -hmm. and all those sort of things about drag that you don't have to be into alternative drag to appreciate. Like, drag has a lot of glamour in it, and I think it's an important tenet of Dragula that some people forget. Yeah, taste and (laughs) movement, and it's, you know... I'll say, I think... Glamour. Yeah, and I think that's something I see in Sigourney that I have not seen in any other competitor before, Mm -hmm. is that she has a certain poise to her in a way that she holds herself and presents herself that I really appreciate. She is a glamorous ghoul, for sure. And someone that surprised me, and I said it on the show, was Hoso. Not because I thought that Hoso couldn't do it, just because I just wasn't ready Mm -hmm. for how Hoso would move and how Hoso would present and the soft paint and everything. (laughs) And it was just such a gorgeous dress and something that I hadn't seen before. And the pipe, just everything, it was just like so spellbinding. Hoso on stage, I think, is very kind of like monstrous and kind of ghouly a lot of the time. Or kind of like goofy in a really amazing way but with this she does one of my favorite things that I think kind of the glamour ghouls always do which is the way that she presents her hands Mm. and it's so delicate and it's so feminine I remember watching and just being blown I was like oh gosh you look beautiful on stage was so happy with them and that little shuffle that she did yes the move <laughs> i was upset me and, no <laughs> we me and nathan the other day were no. doing the dance when we were editing the glamour floor show i got to the editing bay and i was like oh my god i've been watching this thing and that thing that hoso does like that little fucking move like i couldn't get it out of my mind <laughs> so we're all fans of the hoso uh, shuffle yes, yes absolutely and then dolly did something interesting by infusing her glamour performance with a message about her HIV, which I thought was really interesting. Like yes. the red dress, taking the pill mm-hmm. and saying this is part of my glamour. I thought that was really interesting. Well, they also say something in their interview, which is my inspirations are often from death and decay. But for my glamour, I'm going a different route and saying like, I'm celebrating life. Take this pill every day. It's like a vitamin. I live a very healthy, beautiful life, which I think is a really interesting thing to put forward on a show like this, where so often we celebrate death, we celebrate the macabre. And for Dolly to go in that direction, I was very moved by it. I was too. And it reminds everyone There's a lot of things that we can use drag to express, but drag can also be about social commentary. And this is a great Mm -hmm. example of that. And Sigourney did great too. I mean, all of them did great in Glamour. I think Saint's hair was perfect. Yeah. And that her makeup was great. I loved this idea that the red gems, like it was almost kind of like carnage venom for me. Like the Ruby symbiote was taking over, if you will, going right over the one red eye too. Pretty cool. We also got to use the lasers for this one, which, I mean, just to say it, Mama, that's a pussy up. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. And the lip syncs were hot and tight. That's what I was so happy because when we got to that part, I was like, this is who I'm going to take on tour. Oh, yeah. I really hope they don't (laughs) suck. Because, you know, that's I'm like, you can see someone on a show and they could look one way. And then Mm -hmm. when you get on stage, you're like, girl, I know why they lost. (laughs) 
but that didn't oh, happen. No, totally. I remember that day being like, it is neck and fucking neck. Yeah. Everyone was really serving. I think the thing that I really honed in on for the lip syncs was Dolly did this, and it's referred to as a glottal stop, where in the song, it's kind of like her mouth stays open, but she's still emoting. And I just thought it was so cool to see that. I was like, the only person who did that. Yeah, all the and nobody else glottal slopped at all. <laughs> yeah. The rest of the, you know, where the a, fuck did she get this from? Look, glottal you, you could have a lot of moves in your drag arsenal, but a glottal stop, miss thing. We're gonna do a glottal. <laughs> I like to call it a glottal slop, and we're oh. gonna do that next season, Mama. That sounds like some shit Drac would make up because you've been saying some crazy stuff in the past couple of episodes. Oh, definitely, <laughs> like a flop queen or a shablam, oh, well, whatever you. Why might do be I saying. feel like the glottal slop is gonna be a mini extermination on tour this time? The I glottal think. slop is. A new dance. It's like the fifties, you know. Oh, the kids Do are doing the it. Glottal slop. Ooh. The glottal slop. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> so I did notice that, of course, when Dolly was performing, and I thought that her lip sync was the strongest for those reasons. Her mm-hmm. actual lip and face was emoting those notes perfectly. Truly. So let's go on to horror. Yes. Which I think Saint Slade. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Childhood nightmare come to life. She looked beautiful, but also horrible. And there was so much detail. Like you couldn't ask for more. Yeah. And for me, it was kind of an extension of that dark fairy, the witch look that we saw from Resurrection. Uh, This was like the mutated nightmarish version, like transformed into the tooth fairy, which was like very cool. There's this moment from Saints Floor Show where she's looking in the mirror and then her eyes just kind of shift and then she turns around and the music gets really quiet. The music is so good right there, yeah. I was like, oh my God, am I going to have nightmares from this? (laughs) Yes. Okay, but one of my favorites too was Sigourney. Like I love the Mad Mm -hmm. Scientist because it was so high camp, but all of the things that make Sigourney a great performer, she featured in that There was like a super sexy reveal, the skin coming off. And honestly, I really don't know how they did that because the blood underneath, it was a very successful stage effect. We got to have Sigourney on the podcast to talk about that shit. We really do. I think so too. Hoso's horror. I mean, how moving was that? That was incredible to witness in person. Obviously, there was a lot more that didn't make it to the cut because it doesn't fit the style of floor show that we do. But Hoso actually read from her chemotherapy diary on stage. In Korean. And it didn't matter that you didn't know the language. Mm-hmm. Like the words and the emotion was so powerful. It was, oh, I could feel it right now. Yeah, really, really impactful. I mean, honestly, again, they all did well. I wasn't the biggest fan of Dolly's horror show, I don't think. Maybe, you know, it's not that I didn't like it. It maybe just wasn't a huge highlight for me. Yeah. And, you know, I always have an appreciation, any appreciation for a rock thrown through the stained glass of a church. So You know what it Ooh. is? Melissa B. Fierce has taken blasphemy to such an incredible level that if you touch that or you come near <laughs> it and you don't go past it, it's not going to register to me. Very fair. I completely agree with you. I also feel like Melissa B. Fierce really set the filth bar at a certain level. And it's kind of like, you know, season one, filth is already here. You have to top it. And I really feel like this year's filth, there were two performances that really stood out to me. Filth blew my mind this year. Filth was incredible. And I think it maybe was honestly had the ceiling points you know Mm -hmm. that sealed the deal on who won yeah but also kind of a test of these four artists because like sometimes phil can throw people off and or or the creativity can be questionable Mm -hmm. maybe we go for the obvious 
It's the viewer's gaze that's most important. And in this case, it's ours. So when they get creative, they brought us to a strange place that you're not expecting. Those surprises really have an impact. Mm-hmm. Like eating cat shit. <laughs> like looking so gorgeous. Like the only housewife that matters. The only cat shit eating housewife on the block, mama. I mean, Hopefully. Yeah, Saint really brought it to heights with that. Yeah. Like, oh my God, and that little cat thing. That little cat observing the whole time. It was so weird and I loved it. I will say, Saint, if you're listening, please go have your cat get checked out. That was a lot of shit oh from my cat. That was a lot, mama. She's like, I haven't cleaned the box for weeks. Oh. So... <laughs> I think they all did fantastically. We're sort of talking about things that maybe didn't make it on camera, right? Or things that were impactful. I know that Sigourney had a different thing planned for her filth look. You know, she wanted the zits to pop and Mm -hmm. she kind of had a little bit of a breakdown backstage. Yeah, there was a breakdown getting ready. I think there was a moment where Sigourney realized that the effect wasn't going to work the way that she had planned it and it threw a huge wrench in her plan. And it was kind of devastating to watch because, you know, Sigourney is so poised and so put together and to see an artist at the final moment just kind of, you know, being faced with this huge obstacle. I mean, the director had to go over her and be like, I need you to get on that stage like just make it work and I think that she did the best that she could with all the things that were thrown at her in that moment yeah I don't know if you could tell that that sort of mini meltdown happened or however you want to characterize it because once she was on the stage and you have that moment where she's like looking in the mirror and standing in the yellow gown, the dressing gown, and just looking fabulous, I don't know that I would have sensed it at all. I don't think you would have. And Mm -hmm. and I think at that point, we're just trying to show them in the best light. So it's not something that I think made sense to put on the show. But those things obviously happened that day, and they matter. Yeah. I want to talk about Hoso for just for a minute, but kind of encapsulate all three looks. Because what I'm realizing right now is that all of the performances, the... Glamour performance was actually a portrayal of a historic Korean woman from history who was Mm -hmm. like a concubine, but she rose to power and influence with her like feminine wiles, super glamorous. And then we have this very personal story about surviving cancer and like the chemo diary. It's so, and just the manifestation of that was so grotesque. And then this very personal commentary about racism Mm -hmm. and like these stereotypical views of Eastern cultures. It just, I have to applaud Hoso for the voice that she used throughout all of the performances. Absolutely. I also think in a weird way, you know, how odd our society has been here in the United States through the Trump period, you know, and how that would look to someone young like Hoso looking over and seeing what America feels like. And that's her impression. And I mean, that that's just sickening in itself you know what i mean because i don't think that's a country that we are all familiar with and that we probably thought it would never be like that again it's and, nothing to be proud mm. of it makes me cringe to think yeah. that 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 people in the world look at americans and they think that that type of like racism is like rampant right oh totally i mean it is, it is. Yeah. yeah i mean i remember seeing that on set and i was literally moved to tears like i remember swan you turned around and you're like are you okay and i was like honestly no like these are the kind of things that i remember my mom telling me about like that she faced when she was younger and i really applaud hoso for doing that because i feel like Again, filth, there's nothing wrong with doing filth for the gross out factor. Like, that is definitely filth. But I feel like Hoso took it to a different level and said, like, this is disgusting. Like, this is something that is personally affecting me. And I love it. It was controversial. Good job, bitch. Amazing. I feel for Hoso because making strong statements like that are so important. And then at the same time, I know personally, because I have done that in my past, 
you invite mm-hmm. you invite yourself to be destroyed and attacked for those same things. And I really hope that everyone kind of rallies around her and helps her learn how to deal with that because it's definitely a lesson to learn. Yeah, but it also takes a huge amount of courage to put those things out into yeah. the world, and I applaud it. I know we all do. Absolutely. Then we move on to Dali's filth. and Let's this, talk about it, Mama. Let's talk about it because talk about a gag moment for me. I made reference of this earlier about a performance where what you see is not what you get. When at the beginning it starts to unfold and peel back and what it culminates in, it was like shivers to see where it went and what it was and what it was doing because what it was doing was putting that mirror up and making the viewer feel kind of disgusting. Yeah. I think you could tell it more on stage when we Mm -hmm. watched it. What was happening is that you were watching something that you shouldn't, Mm -hmm. but you kept watching it. It's very voyeuristic to the point where she kills herself. And it so speaks to our society today. Absolutely. I feel like there was like a sick nature to it that I just really loved. Like I remember watching it live. And when Dolly starts to pull out the rope of handkerchiefs, I was like, Mm -hmm. I think exactly as Dolly intended. I was like, oh my God, it's out of their crotch. Like, oh, it's it's so sexual. But then it's pulling and pulling and pulling. And suddenly it's a noose. And I remember just being like, oh. Like gasp, like, oh my God, this is, this is about to go really far south and to the furthest. And then the culmination of like the masturbation, the culmination of the noose, the culmination of like this sick obsession in this clown's mind. The ultimate is like the climax, which is both the climax and their death. And specifically, we've done tons of shows in a similar vein, like back in the day. For years, we would do kind of like shows that would leave people unsettled. But there's a real art to being able to do it in a way that's not preachy Mm -hmm. or that doesn't turn off your audience. Because I see people do it today in a way that you don't have the audience on your side. It's almost like you go up and give them a little slap and you seem sort of arrogant and it just doesn't work. But the way that Dolly did it, Dolly did it the right way. And I noticed that and I really appreciated that. Yeah, absolutely. It left a hush in the room. You felt dirty or bad and that's okay. And a little shocked. I'm like, did that just happen? Well, and there was something that didn't make it into the cut just because it didn't fit with the way that we designed the floor shows to be edited. But after Dolly fell out of the chair, the entire set came down. Mm -hmm. This partition fell down too. And it really left, I think, everyone feeling like, oh, oh my God, this has been a show the whole time. And it was really like a sick mirror put back onto everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just for the brilliance of the filth performance or the reflection on the church for the horror or the social commentary about being an HIV positive person today. And it isn't just those things or for those reasons that Dolly proves themselves to be the most capable powerful and best version of someone to crown this season as the world's next drag super monster. They showed a huge transformation from the moment they came into the competition with their vampire beach party, showing just freedom of performance and just an elation to be on stage and show what their art is about to supporting cast members, to giving us three amazing floor shows by the end of the season. And I think it's a title and a crown and a cash prize very well earned. I agree. I think so, too. I think I expect people to have mixed feelings about this. And the reason why is because the top four is so talented. I understand it completely why you might take any one of them and say, I am a super stan of this person. They should have won. I'm fine with that because they're all that talented. That's the truth. But someone does have to win. And I think the right person did win. 
I think all four of them had that pressure and that weight to carry to represent not only themselves, but the communities that they respectively came from. And they all carried that weight very well. They did. And I hope poise mm -hmm. and power. I hope that they all walk away feeling like they did their communities proud and that they're proud of what they put on the show and that they're happy with how it all turned out. I can't wait for the tours because we can shuck all the formalities of being competitors and judges and creators and just be a team of artists that are going to like tour all over the UK, all over North America and hopefully beyond and put on one show from hell. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it too. And I won't forget how much we've done for them. And so if I, Open my little coffin door. Well, look, Sigourney, I wanna... give me a hundred dollars. <laughs> Just give, give me a hundred dollars because I'm pissed. I want your tips from tonight. <laughs> Hoso, give me your makeup wipes. <laughs> oh, not the makeup wipes. <laughs> oh. So look, this was a fantastic season. Really I think incredible. I am super proud of everyone that was on the show. I want to kind of say in closing, thank you to every competitor that was on the show we love all of you. You all brought so much drama and artistry and fun to the season. We will never forget it. You're part of the Dragula family forever. And like I always say, you never know what the future holds. So thank all of you for being a part of this season. And that goes for all of us. That goes through the entire crew. And I think that goes through all the fans. Thank you for being provocative and brave and positive and just really yourselves. We may not know what the future holds entirely, but we do know that it holds another season because of course, Dragula was amazing. Season four was incredible. It was record-breaking on Shutter and we have been renewed again. So there will be more drag filth, horror and glamour to come. And on that note, I do <laughs> want to talk about how exhausting the fans can be sometimes for the crew and the stars and us. And I just want to say, I know that there's passion when you watch a show but i'd like to try to steer people away from toxicity and attack and maybe just a little bit closer to applauding the people that you actually love and support it goes a long way for the artists that are out there showing their lives and their livelihood to all of us for entertainment well that's it for another episode of the belay brothers creatures of the night remember to send us your listener questions to creatures at belay brothers and thank you all for listening until next time The Boulay Brothers Creatures of the Night is a Dread Central production. Hosted by the Boulay Brothers with their co-host and producer, Ian DeVogler. Engineered and mixed by Carlos Bueno with music by Neuron Spectre. 